So we want to start today's episode by sharing a 45-second soundbite from Game 2 of the NBA Finals from last week, which has been getting a lot of attention on social media and the news. It's Phoenix Suns head coach Monty Williams speaking with DeAndre Ayton in the last eight minutes of the game during a timeout, where DeAndre, who's only 22 years old, was demonstrating some pretty poor body language. Uh, that kind of came from him struggling with his average to poor performance so far in the game. Look, this, this is the deal. One, we're getting back in transition. You don't have Giannis find a man and be a guard. Two, look at me. You set a high level for yourself. That's why you're down. That's great. Now go reach that level. Okay? And you can reach it with force. Doesn't have to be stats all the time. Go dominate the game with force. Okay? Because you set a high level for yourself. Go dominate the game with force. I'll tell you what, though, listening to that previous Wyatt where Monty Williams was talking to DeAndre Aiden, encouraging him, inspiring him, it makes you want to be a coach. So what you just heard, I think it's more than just a pep talk or a motivational speech, as many people are calling it. I think it's been great to see head coach Monty Williams get so much attention this series uh, because of his transformational coaching style. But I think there is more skill and depth than just him being a positive guy who loves his players, which I think is probably most of the talk around him as a coach. Here in this moment, we see what I call an intentional intervention. It's high-level communication to effectively call a player up, not call them out, to support him and making a change in his behavior. So in today's episode, we're going to break down some of the key elements in the four main communication statements, EARN, E-A-R-N, that make this intervention so effective. You're listening to the Coaching Culture Podcast with myself, J.P. Nurban, and Nate Sanderson. Welcome if you are a new listener. We love talking about practical ways to build your culture and become more transformational as a leader. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast as well as subscribe to our newsletter, at thriveonchallenge.com so you can get the coaching notes to every single episode. Today's got a lot of great notes as we really do a deep dive on some of these communication skills. I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. So let's get right into my conversation with Nate. Well, JP, it was exciting to see this clip make the rounds on social media, not just as an example of the way that a coach can connect with a player in a high stress situation like Monty Williams did there in that huddle, but because he demonstrates so many subtle skills in his communication with his player. And I think that's what we're going to really dive into in some greater detail here this week are the little things that make a big difference that have to be done over the course of time for you to have moments like that in a game. Yeah. So before we get into some of those communication skills that Monty uses, I think we need to step back and have a deeper understanding of what I call the conversations before this conversation, right? What happened leading up to this moment? And I think this is really important for us to understand because if you just listen and you learn about these communication skills and you go try to use them, but you don't have certain things in place, they will never really have the same effect that Monty's communication does in that moment. And, and the first thing I want to mention is that Monty doesn't just see the athlete, DeAndre, in that moment. 
He sees the person behind the athlete. And if he doesn't do that, he's never going to be able to connect with the person that is struggling in that moment. But he's able to see that person. So, so much of this comes back to our mindset of how we see other people, which we did a deep dive into mindset with Sam Whitney from the Arbinger Institute on episode 181 of the podcast a few months back. But it's just so important that we have that type of right mindset when we enter into these kind of interactions with our players. Well, I think another thing that's great about this moment, JP, is the context in which it happens during the game. Like prior to this huddle, DeAndre Ayton had been struggling a little bit with his game. He wasn't connecting as much with his teammates. There may have been some body language issues if you go back and you watch the film. And, and Monty Williams doesn't come down on him for those things, right? Not only does he see the person behind the player, he sees the person behind the body language. And I think sometimes if you watch and read, you know, coach Twitter and you see during AAU season, a lot of coaches that are just putting players on blast because of their bad body language or their eye rolls or they're slouching on the bench or they're not engaged in ways that they want on their teams at the collegiate level. And I think in this case, Monty Williams seems to recognize that DeAndre Ayton may just not have the skills to be able to manage those emotions that he's experiencing in the game in the, in the same level of maturity that the coaches, you know, or that maybe Chris Paul who's 36 year old. He's a grown man, you know, and maybe handles himself in a little bit different way. How many players are being crossed off of list because they don't have the skills to be able to manage their emotions. Not, not necessarily that they're being disrespectful of their coaches. And I just, I just have a lot of admiration for Monty Williams in this moment because he sees through that to connect with the person. And at the end of the day, he does not allow his behavior to trump the relationship. And that's a really important principle. Like no behavior should really trump that relationship. The relationship is so important. And he has had, without a doubt, so many conversations with DeAndre throughout the year to get to know him better, what's important to him in life, not just you know, what's important to him this season and to identify what he struggles and to position himself as a mentor to him, as someone that's there to help him. And that's why when it comes to these moments, when people see that, they might think it's a pep talk or they think, oh, Monty's getting on him, that DeAndre doesn't see it as getting on him. In fact, Monty has kind of taught his players the difference between calling people out and calling people up. And they actually use this, this terminology. So when DeAndre was asked back in February of this year, hey, coach really got on you. You know, one of the, the new reporters asked him, coach really got on you out there. What did he say? He, he said this. Coach is not really called getting on. He really just calling me up. You know, that's call, not calling me out. Um, he know what I can do and he know how I can affect the game. And, you know, just, I just call it reassurance, to be honest, knowing what I'm capable of and knowing that I am the anchor of this team on the defensive end. So. Just in case you missed what he was saying, DeAndre says, he's not getting on me. He's calling me up, not calling me out. He knows what I can do. I just call it reassurance, to be honest, right? So it's, yes, he has these great communication skills that we want to break down, but it's so much about how he even perceives that communication. How our athletes perceive that communication is so, so important. And so we have to be investing in the relationship throughout the season. And that comes back to something we talk about so often this podcast, the importance of one-on-one with your players. Now, as we start to look a little bit more in depth into the huddle and into this exchange, 
I think it's important, and I know, JP, you talk about this a lot, that the way that Monty Williams starts this connection in terms of his body language, in terms of eye contact, in terms of his use of touch, he grabs his arm, is really important for DeAndre Ayton to be able to receive the message that he wants to give. Now, you talk all the time about the 738-55 rule. You want to explain how you saw that kind of manifest itself here in this exchange? Yeah, so before we get into what he says, like the words he says, we need to come back to this whole 738-55 rule, which for those that don't know what that means, uh, there's been a lot of research around communication, human, human communication. And our communication can be broke down like this. 7% of what we communicate is through the words that we use. 38% of what we communicate is through the tone with which we say those words, the tone with which we say them. And 55% is through body language. And we know this as coaches, right? When our players have poor body language or they have that little certain tone with which they say, yeah, yes, coach, or whatever it is, like we sense something, right? There's a greater sense of communication uh, than just even the words they're using. So when you look at Monty, he's exceptional at focusing in on, on being intentional with his body language. Like really, if you're watching the video, the first thing that he does is he pulls himself up on a chair right in front of DeAndre and he gets down at his level because DeAndre's head is like stooping and it's really, really low, okay? And he literally gets down, and he crouches down practically so that he can meet him at eye level. And there's so much incredible research out there around how important this is when someone is having a stress response. Like if your child, like I've heard this a lot of parenting books, if your child is having kind of a meltdown, um, is get at their level. When you get at someone's level, that helps them to calm down, right? And hear what you're saying. So he literally does that. And then as you listen throughout the entire conversation, there is this tone with, it, it's not soft, um, but it's firm, but kind at the same time. It has this balance between kind and firm. And I think he just, he's, uh, he, he kind of totes that line so well. JP, you and I have been talking recently a lot about Dr. Bruce Perry's work and his new book, What Happened to You. And, and he talks a lot in there about our stress response systems right? And how what we perceive consciously and subconsciously is our brain trying to organize our environment and determine, is there a threat here? Do I need to have my defenses up or can I relax, right? And be able to connect and be able to process and be able to think. And all of the things that you just described there when it comes to our tone of voice and our body language are communicating to the other person, I am not a threat. There's no need to get defensive. I'm, I'm on your side, right? Like, and once you are able to come into that communication or come into that exchange, Dr. Bruce Perry would say regulated and regulate the person that you're trying to connect with, with your use of tone of voice and body language. Now you can start to reason through the message that you're trying to send. And we see Coach Williams do that in spades in that initial few seconds of that interaction. So when I sat down and really watched Monty Williams' exchange with DeAndre Ayton, and really started to break down and dissect the things that he said, it really excited me because he was using elements of high-level communication that we really strive to teach our coaches. And we actually use this acronym, uh, EARN, E-A-R-N, to try to teach this high-level communication skills uh, to coaches. And then for coaches to teach it to their players. Now, E-A-R-N, EARN, it's, they stand for encouragement, affirmation, reminders, and notifications. 
Now that first one, encouragement, uh, it's pretty common in coaching. I think most of us know it. They're positive statements before the moment, before the behavior, right? It's, it's us on the sidelines. It's us cheering them on. Um, and it's, it's important. It's important that we do that as a coach. And in Monty's conversation to DeAndre, at certain levels, he does two different encouragements. He, he encourages him to go reach that level. Now go reach that level. And at the end, he finishes that kind of exchange by saying, go dominate the game with force. Let's go. Go dominate the game with force. Let's go. So he has a couple lines of encouragement, but I think the important piece is that while there is encouragement in the exchange, it's not just a bunch of encouragement. There's so many other great elements that he sprinkles within this exchange. JP, when I think of encouragement, you know, I really think of it as my attempt as a coach to inject confidence into my player. And oftentimes it's directed at a specific action or a specific behavior or a specific task or thing that they need to do. If I have a player that's struggling with their shot in the game or they're struggling to, to guard, you know, the, the player that they're responsible for, oftentimes I'll grab them and pull them to the side and just say, hey, you're the same player that I saw make 12 in a row yesterday in practice, or you're the same player that's the, you know, in the top three in our shooting ladder. I know you can shoot it. You know you can shoot it. So just go shoot it. You know, like you're just giving them encouragement and a little bit of evidence if you have some or you're calling them back to a previous success to try to breathe some life and to breathe some confidence, you know, in that void for them. But I think that's much more powerful for a couple of reasons than just saying, you can do this, JP. You can do it. Go get them. You know, it's because I'm number one, I've seen them do it before. So I'm acknowledging that I've seen you do this. I believe that you can do this and I'm bringing them back to that experience. So it's not just a rah-rah, you know, kind of encouraging speech. I'm bringing evidence to the table that I know that you can do this and here's why. And I think similarly, when we talk about affirmation, the power is in specificity and personalizing what you see. In other words, it's, again, it's better than JP. That was a great job. JP has a great game. But if I say, you know, text you after the game and say, JP, you know, you did a great job in this situation, forcing baseline, you know, or you did a great job, you know, getting these tough rebounds or the more specific that I can affirm, you know, your behavior, one, the more likely you are to do it again. And two, the more likely you are to feel seen and valued for your effort. Right. And that also is going to motivate you to try to continue to do those things again. Yeah. One of the traps that we can fall into as a coach is to do a lot of praise. And praise is focusing on the outcome. It's that good job. And when we use that praise, research has shown that to not only be not helpful for performance, it's not helpful for the relationship, it actually is sometimes harmful, right? It adds pressure and, and, and expectation. The big thing I would also encourage coaches to do is to try to avoid when we're affirming someone, even the words great and good, avoid labels of any time. Just really focus on, you really fought out there for rebounds tonight. You really had a lot of courage in that game. You know, just trying to be really specific about how they even showed courage or you really saw the floor well, right? So I'm just affirming the behavior. And, and sometimes we even want to try to avoid some of those labels, I think, at times. The other thing, I would say, and this is where Monty does something that is actually incredibly high level affirmation, in my opinion. It's really hard to do. He's able to affirm DeAndre of something positive about him and what he knows about him, DeAndre the person, 
in the midst of this really poor body language, right? Where we talk, comes back to your earlier point, Nate, of like, so often we get up and we see the body language, we don't see the person. Here, Monty says to him, you set a high level for yourself. That's why you're down. That's great. So as coaches, as me as a coach, I could get so often caught up in like, you know, you're being selfish and your body language stinks and I'm going to call them out on that. But instead, Monty says, hey, you're upset because you care, because it's important, because you have high expectations of yourself. That's good. I don't want you to drop your expectations. And instead, he just kind of calls him up to raise his behaviors. And that is really hard to do, is to affirm an individual in the midst of some behaviors or body language that's really, really unacceptable, to affirm them of something positive in their, their care, their, their, their desire to compete and win, even though they're probably having poor sportsmanship or they might be you know, not responding to a loss well, but it matters to them. They wanted to win. That's a good thing. And I think that's really, really powerful what he does in that. There's something else that happens in that sentence there. You set a high level for yourself and that's why you're down. That's kind of the way that he says that in the timeout is sort of matter of fact. It's not judgmental and it's not a criticism. It's just, this is why you feel down because your expectations for yourself are here. You know, your play is not meeting those expectations. And that's why you feel the way that you do fact, right? And that, that is an example to me. And I know you've got some other examples here of notifications, but he's just explaining in a very simple way, an understanding that validates the way that DeAndre feels in that moment, explains why he feels that way, does it in a way that is safe, it's non-judgmental, it's not critical, it's just explaining the situation, and then begins to build on, here's what we need to do next. And again, I think there's so much subtlety in the demonstration of emotional intelligence, ability to connect, and ability to explain why DeAndre feels the way that he does, that allows him sort of to get past that and be able to hear what Monty wants to notify him of next when it comes to sharing more information about what's going to happen next in the game. Yeah, and I actually stole that term notification from the book Culture Code by Daniel Coyle, which we've talked about all the time on this podcast. Coyle talks about notifications, how it's a term that's used within airplane pilots. Airplane pilots are taught to use what he calls short burst communication. Right, just very matter of fact, like you said, uh, Coyle actually uh, says in the book, he says it's the humblest and most primitive form of communication, the equivalent of a child's finger point. I see this. So you're just stating things that you see there. And there's another notification that Monty uses within that conversation. He says it doesn't have to be stats all the time. Now, I can sense when one of my players is caught up in the fact that they haven't scored that many points and it starts to affect their play. And usually my approach in the past would be to kind of call them out on that and say, hey, you're being selfish in this moment. And Williams just completely avoids that. He just says, it doesn't have to be stats all the time. He's saying, I see that you're affected by the fact that you haven't scored a lot of points today, right? He's just kind of honestly, he's given that notification with a reminder as well. He's kind of reminding him of something they probably have talked about in many conversations before this conversation. In the book, when Coyle talks about that pattern of communication between airline pilots, and you know, he emphasizes how in the moment of crisis, there isn't room for long-winded sentences. There isn't room necessarily for you know, the exact wording to manage your emotions. And how is JP going to accept this fact that we don't have landing gear anymore? It's just, we have 60 seconds to figure out how to solve this problem. And we need to exchange information as fast as possible. If you go on YouTube and you, you just listen to 
you know, uh, an interaction between pilots on a, a crack landing or something like that, the conversation almost sounds sterile. It almost sounds like two computers communicating to each other in a very monotone voice without a lot of inflection, without a lot of urgency. It's just the fastest exchange of information possible to give them the best chance at the best possible outcome. And when we think about that in the course of a game, whether it's in a 30-second timeout or it's out on the floor and your players have five seconds between possessions to communicate, there is an advantage to being able to speak the language of notification and be able to receive it in a way that, again, is going to be safe. I'm not going to feel threatened. We're trying to accomplish the same thing here, but we have to do it quickly and we have to do it succinctly. And so training your players and training yourself to be able to receive information and give it as well in that manner can be very effective in moments like this. And the last element of earn uh, that we like to teach coaches is, is reminders. Um, and this is this neutral statement before the moment. And it's really trying to give them relevant information that they need. Sometimes players forget, right? They forget to do a certain thing, whether it be spacing properly or, or some sort of technical thing. And sometimes they just need reminders on certain behaviors. And in this moment between Monty and DeAndre, Monty actually starts with a reminder. He says, this is the deal. One, when we're getting back in transition, if you don't have Giannis, find a man and be a guard. So that was really powerful because it's, it, instead of saying, sitting down and saying, hey, DeAndre, you got to focus on the next play, man. He just and instantly communicates what he needs to focus on in the next play. He gives them something really, really small. And that helps that player so often be able to shift their focus from the past to the next play. And so like, sometimes it's great to have little mantras of next play or next play mentality and to tell that to our players, but it's even better. Once again, specificity, what is something I can communicate before the moment, before I need them to, you know, behave in a certain way or act in a certain way or make a certain decision that's relevant and specific. Our friends at Point Guard College talk a lot about the importance of reminders, you know, in leadership communication. And you hit the nail right on the head there, JP, that it's the ability to communicate and focus and give reminders of what's necessary before it's necessary. And I think the other advantage to that when you're in the heat of a game and you have the ability to do this as a coach or as a player is that not only do you focus their attention on what has to happen next, but while their attention is focused on the next play, specifically, you got to find this man or you got to box this guy out or get ready for this ball screen or whatever it might be, you're taking attention away from what just happened, right? You're helping them to escape maybe the mistake or the failure or the disappointment of the last possession. And instead of allowing attention to be focused there, you're literally taking their attention and focusing it somewhere else so that the brain can move on right to the next thing. So there's tons of advantage to using reminders and being specific with what you're telling players are going to happen next or to be prepared for that's going to happen next. So the last element that made this intentional intervention of Monty Williams so effective was the timing of it. In the post-game interview, Williams was actually asked about this moment. And he said this. I try to be authentic. You know, if, if there sometimes in a huddle, I don't say anything. You know, the guys will run the huddle. Um, but I try to be an encourager in huddles, um, especially when I see a guy down or the team is not at the level where they should be mentally. 
Um, I don't want to make up stuff. You know, I, I've, I know what it's like to be in those huddles and you want to know the truth, um, but you also need sometimes a pep talk, sometimes encouragement. I just try to be authentic and speak from the heart. Sometimes it requires me to shut up and not say anything. And um, I think our players understand where I'm coming from when I come to the huddle. I want to have something substantial to say or I'm just going to not say anything. And so that, that's just the way I approach it. And I thought that response was so profound because so often as coaches, especially when there's a spotlight on you, like there is in the NBA finals, there's this expectation that the coach always needs to be interjecting. They always need to have something to say. And the more we do that, the more pep talks we give, the more times we're just constantly uh, jumping in and trying to fix every little problem, the less effective these interventions become. And so you need to know when is the appropriate time? When do, when do my players need me? And when do they need to just be able to solve that problem and work through a challenge themselves? Sometimes a player may need space. They may need space on the end of that bench just to compose themselves. So I think that was just really, really profound. And it's a really important reminder for us as coaches, not just to be intentional about the things we say and how we say them, but when we say them. I think that's a great point, JP. The term that comes to mind, what you're describing right there is coaching fatigue. Not that we get tired as coaches, although it does take a lot of energy for us to be able to manage our huddles and our interactions with our players in this way. But if a player every single minute, every single second of a timeout and of a halftime and of a postgame and a pregame and practice is constantly receiving coaching, and some of that coaching is of high quality and some of that coaching is exactly what they need in that moment, and some of that coaching is just to fill the moment till they take the floor again, players become fatigued. It becomes difficult for them sometimes to sift through the urgent messages and your best messages with the other messages that we use just to fill time because that's what coaches are supposed to do. And for Williams to have really the confidence as a coach, be able to say, I'm going to pick my moments. I'm going to pick my huddles. I'm going to pick my timeouts when I know I've got something that's going to help them. Then when I show up, they know I'm only here because I've got something that really matters for what's going to happen next. And if I give them the huddle, then they take responsibility for it and they can figure out whatever they need from each other, you know, in that 60 seconds. But I think that that's so difficult for us as coaches because we want to fill the void when there isn't something being said, when we think we know the answers, when there's quiet in a huddle, we seem to want to fill it with our voice. And Williams is saying, I'm only doing that when what I have to say matters. And this was a great example of that. So there's just kind of one reminder I want to give our listeners before we finish up here. And that is that the quality of a coach comes down to how well we can reach the players that other people can't reach. And I think there's a lot of scenarios that could have played out where, you know, Monty Williams doesn't help affect him in a positive way. And then the narrative becomes, well, here we go. Another 22 year old with bad body language that can't handle himself. Right. And a coach could criticize the player and go into a press conference and blast players for their selfishness or all that stuff. Like that becomes the narrative so often. I mean, I think if, if DeAndre ends up in another NBA team with a less effective coach, a less transformational coach, I don't know if he is where he is today. 
Like at the end of the day, this just shows you the power of transformational coaching, like intentionality within our coaching. And honestly, uh, just kind of the coolest backstory that's I think it's worth sharing is like Monty wasn't coaching like this all the time, right? He has gone through a profound change, a profound transformation in his coaching. You know, he was fired from his previous job uh, with the Pelicans. And the feedback from players was he was very direct. He was just demanding. It was always his way or, or, or the highway. And he went on his own personal journey to change his coaching. And he's done that. And, and kind of the coolest thing here is he's been a listener to the podcast since 2018. Um, you know, he's been on that transformational journey, trying to be more intentional about calling his players up. And I think that is such an encouragement for us as coaches is that if you're not great at this, that's okay. You can get better. You can work at these communication skills. These are things that we can learn uh, and grow in. So if you want to make a transformation in your coaching, you want to become a leader who calls people up, not out. I'd like to encourage you to check out my book, Calling Up. You can get it on Amazon or any other online bookstore. I just have to say it's been really special for me and affirming to see the theme, the principle of calling up, not out, catching on at the highest level of professional basketball. Monty is an incredible example of transformational leadership. And he, along with Ted Lasso, is changing the narrative around coaching. And if you don't know who Coach Ted Lasso is, well, you're missing out. So Google Ted Lasso, you'll figure it out pretty quickly. Thanks again for listening in to the Coaching Culture Podcast.